Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. The title of the, I should say, I don't know, series, but basically the subject uh, that we're going to start on this morning is understanding the gifts and the calling of God. Understanding the gifts of the Spirit and the calling of God. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I'm so honored and privileged to just stand here before people, to stand here before your people who you love. Father, I pray that today this would not be my message or my agenda, my words, but Lord, really let the Holy Ghost speak through me. Allow the Holy Ghost to use me as a vessel to teach your people and instruct your people. And Lord, we turn this service over to you. You are the governor of this house. You are the leader. Father, this is your time. This isn't our time. This is your time. And Jesus... Although we love the lost and we pray to win the lost and we endeavor to do that every day, that this service is not just structured towards trying to appease people but really please you, Lord, and worship you because this is a holy thing that we're doing, the gathering of the saints. Father, where we worship you and praise you and get into your word. We're so hungry and thirsty. Father, we just stand on the word that says in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, that those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night shall be like trees planted along the riverbank. They shall bear fruit in each season. Their leaves shall never wither, and they shall prosper in everything that they do. So, Lord, we thank you for that. I thank you for nourishment this morning from your word. I thank you, Father, that you're prospering us through your word. As this word goes out, it, it goes out as a seed, and it goes into the heart of your people, and it says that it will produce in their life 30, 60, and 100-fold if it falls on fertile soil. So I thank you for ears to hear eyes to see, and a heart that is prepared for the Word of God this morning. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7. We're gonna, I'm actually going to read this passage to you uh, in the King James. It has some words that I want to pull out here. But again, this is understanding the gifts and the calling of God. So, Starting in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7, Paul says, Now considering or concerning the spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Say ignorant. ignorant. So Paul told the church that he did not want them ignorant when it came to the spiritual gifts. So just off of the word alone, that's permission and encouragement for us to preach and teach these things into the church because God does not want his church ignorant of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So during this series, we're going to talk about everything from what are the gifts of the Holy Ghost? What, uh, how do you receive the gifts? How do I operate in the gifts? Why are the gifts given to us? We're going to talk about the gifts and the call of God. Paul said, I don't want you ignorant. You know that when you were Gentiles, carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit. Praise the Lord. Uh, so let's break a few things down. I'm going to go back to verse 2 and 3. I'm going to read it to you now in the NLT version. And it says this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along and worshiping speechless idols. So whenever he said dumb idols, that's what he meant. Dumb, they were, they were speechless. 
He says, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We're going to dive right into this. So number one, the first thing I want to extract from that is Paul was telling them that God is not a speechless idol. So he was saying these, they were coming out of idolatrous worship. You know, they were a Roman Empire society. They worshiped many gods. They were used to just bowing down and worshiping statues that could never do anything for them. And Paul was saying, that's not the God that you serve now. He's not deaf. He's not dumb. He's not dead. He's alive and he's resurrected. He's not a speechless idol. So the whole point in this is that he's going to go to talk about the gifts So why is he saying that before he begins to teach on the gifts? Because he's wanting the believer, the hearer, to understand that the gifts, they're not metaphorical, they're not theoretical, they're tangible power, supernatural power that the Holy Spirit gives you. Say tangible. Tangible. What does it mean? The Holy Ghost, everybody thinks that he's just like Jiminy Cricket, you know, he's just your conscience, this little still, quiet whisper that lives on the inside of you. No, Paul was saying he's not a speechless, dumb idol. He gives you tangible gifts, tangible power. Say it's tangible. That means it can be felt. It can be released. That it goes on to produce tangible results that can be documented. We had a sister a few weeks ago come. She had been diagnosed with cancer back in 2014. Well, she came to this church and began to learn the principles of faith, had hands laid on her, went back to her oncologist and got uh, blood, blood work ran all through her body, came back with a clean bill of health saying, I'm completely healed of cancer, medically cured and healed of cancer. There's not a trace of it left in my body. Can you say tangible? That's the difference. Is Paul saying that these gifts, these manifestations, they're not just theoretical. They're, they're, they produce actual results. Praise God. And I hope that encourages you that if you don't know Jesus, that you'll know he's alive. The difference between our God and any other God, any other religion, is any other religion can take you to a God or can take you to a a grave of their founder. You know, they can take you uh, to a grave of Muhammad. They can take you to a grave of Buddha. They can take you to a grave, but Christianity takes you to a what? Empty tomb. It's, it's funny because in Israel, there's two or three different tombs that they speculate was the tomb of Jesus Christ. But you know what all, all of them have in common? They're all empty. Every single one of them. That's what, because Jesus was resurrected. So here's the thing is that we can expect, you know, I don't have to pray lifeless, hopeless prayers, just a shot in the dark, throw something up in the air and hope it catches. I'm praying to a living Jesus Christ that hears me. That's alive. That when he was resurrected, he wasn't a ghost floating around. They touched his side. They touched the the holes in his hands. He ate with them. He's a physical, resurrected, alive being that sits in the third heaven at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, I can expect tangible results when I pray to him. Hallelujah. When I pray to God for healing... Well, how many of you know, sometimes his answer is inner healing. Yeah, okay, that's great. Inner healing, inner healing but also physical healing as well. Amen. Amen. I believe that he'll touch my physical body and whatever infirmity has tried to come on, it, he'll lift it right off. And in fact, I say he will. The Bible actually says that he already did that. Amen, but that's a whole other sermon. Praise God. God is not dead. He is not a speechless dead idol. Number two, the thing that Paul is trying to say before he gets into teaching about the gifts is everyone who is a Christian has gifts reserved for them. Everyone who is a Christian has gifts reserved for them. Because he said this line, he says, I want you to know no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. Why would Paul say that before going right into the gifts? Because he's wanting to, you know, because he's wanting to break down this barrier where you believe that the gifts of the Spirit are just for certain individuals. Right? It's for the apostle. It's for the prophet. It's for the man behind the podium. And Paul's breaking that barrier up front before he even begins to teach about it. 
He's saying, in fact, nobody can say Jesus Christ is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if a person claims Jesus Christ is the Lord, then that means they have the Spirit of God on the inside of them. And if they have the Spirit of God on the inside of them, they carry the capacity for the special abilities that the Spirit gives. Praise God. So everyone, say everyone, everyone. who is a Christian has gifts reserved for them. Number one, if you're a Christian, many of you may be walking in, your, in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And we'll define what that is in just a moment. But if you say, well, I'm a believer and I'm not walking in the gifts, well, I'm going to have to tell you there's good news. There's gifts reserved for you. You can walk in them. Praise God. Okay, so let's go to verses 4 through 6, 1 Corinthians 12. Look back at 4 through 6. I'm going to read it to you in the King James and break it down. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. I want you to highlight that, diversities of gifts. Highlight the word gifts in your Bible, and then highlight the word spirit in your Bible. There are differences of administrations. And again, if you don't have a King James right now, then... uh, Your Bible won't read like that, but we'll have it on the screen. If you do, underline the word administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations. In your Bible, highlight the word operations, but it's the same God which worketh in all. So let's break this down. Number one, Holy Spirit. First category, the Holy Spirit. It says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. I want you to say gifts. Yes. I want you to say spirit. spirit. I'll read that same verse to you now in the New Living. It says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the Spirit is the source. Say the source. The source, the source of them all. So if you are taking notes, you could write this down. The source of the gifts is the Holy Spirit. I'm actually about to show you the operation of the Trinity. What part does the Father play in things? What part does the Son and the Lord Jesus Christ play in things? What part does the Holy Ghost play in things? Well, you need to understand, number one, the gifts, the source of the gifts is the Spirit. It says the same Spirit is the source of them all. So that word gift, say gift. That Greek word, it literally means this. It means favor, ability. Divine grace apart from merit. So who is the source of favor? Who is the source of ability and who is the source of divine grace? The Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so dumb to be a Christian and be a part of a denomination that totally rejects the Holy Ghost. You're rejecting the favor of God. You're rejecting the ability of God. You're rejecting the divine grace of God apart from merit because he is the source of the gifts. And that is the definition of the word gift that's used there in the scripture. That's the Greek word. (laughs) Divine favor, ability, and divine grace apart from merit. Explain uh, what merit means is that you earn something. You do something. So when it talks about this divine grace that's apart from merit, that means that God gives you a grace, he gives you a favor, he gives you abilities that you never worked for. You could never be holy enough to earn. You could never be good enough. You could never serve long enough to earn these things. He gives it to you apart from merit. Well, then why does he give them to you? Well, we'll explain that next. But you need to just clearly understand this. Who's the source of the gift? The Holy Ghost. Number two, second category, Jesus. So it says in verse 5, There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. I love the King James. It's the only translation or version I've seen that breaks it down this way, and it's so great. The administrations, but the same Lord. Say Lord. Let me ask you this. According to the scripture, who is the Lord? Jesus. Jesus. There are differences in administrations, but the same Lord, the Lord meeting Jesus. So who is the source? Let's follow the same pattern. The spirit is the source of the gifts. Who is the source of the administrations? Jesus, the Lord. What is the definition of administration? What does administrations mean? That Greek word, it literally means this. It means office, place, 
Say place. An office. What is an office? It's not talking about an office building. It's, about, it's talking about an election. If you run for mayor, you get elected in that office. If you ran for governor, if you ran for president, if you ran for the Senate, it's an office. It's an appointing to a specific place. Amen. And not only to a specific place, but really an office is a place of authority. Different, and there's different levels of authority. So who is the source of the office that you're appointed to? Jesus Christ is. So the, the word for administration means office, place, call, a calling, or appointed job. Say jobs. There's different jobs in the kingdom. And he is the source of appointing people to those jobs. Praise God. This is good stuff for me. So to just basically break it down even more simply, Jesus hires and appoints. Who hires you? Jesus hires you. You want to do anything for the Lord, you have to be hired by Jesus first. Trust me. If, you don't, if you're not hired by Jesus, but then you go on trying to do it anyways, you're going to run into a lot of problems. And we'll get into this, but because the Holy Ghost only gives you special grace, favor, and ability to do the thing in which you were hired. So imagine if this, if you weren't hired, then guess what? You go forth without favor, you go forth without grace, and you go forth without any supernatural ability to do those things. You know, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, a great man of God, he said it's funny in regards to the ministry. He said some people are called and sent and some people just bought a microphone and went. What's the difference between the called and sent and the bottom microphone and went? Favor, grace, apart from merit, and ability. Anointing, gift, a gift. Hallelujah. So let's look at verse 6 now, 1 Corinthians 12, 6. There are diversities of operations. Say operations. But it is the same God. Say God which worketh all in all. It's so amazing. Again, in the King James, it makes a distinction. The Spirit, the Lord, and God. What is that a picture of? The, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. They're different operations. <laughs> it says, the Father, there are different diversities of operations. Say operations. But it is the same God that wor which worketh all in all. So who is the source of the operations? God. Say God, the Father. And if you don't know this, there is a distinct difference between the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yes, they are all three equally God, but they are distinctly different. When Jesus was baptized, it says the heavens opened up and the spirit of the Lord descended upon him in the form of a dove. And a voice spoke from heaven saying, this is my son who, in whom I am well pleased. In that one passage, you have clearly the son. Was Jesus projecting his voice into heaven like a ventriloquist? You know, no, they're three distinctly separate beings, but yet they are all God. Yes. Amen. Amen. So. That word operation, say operations one more time. Operation. That word in the Greek, it means things, rot, R-W-R-O-U-G-H-T, rot. Now that's a word that we don't really use. At least I've never used the word rot, uh, that, it, it, that form of that word. And so what that word rot means, I'll give you the definition, it means beaten out or shaped by hammering. The word rot means to be beaten out or shaped by hammering. What does that look like? Somebody gets a picture of something they want to build in their mind, and they take a hammer, and they begin to beat it out, and then they hold it up, and they look at it, and then they, they knock this little corner in, and they hold it up, and they look at it. That's what the word rot means. Who's the source of that? The Father. Amen. Another uh, definition of that same word. So it means beaten out, shaped by hammering. It means employed in a specific occupation or field. This is really interesting. The third part of the definition means in, in, in context of a machine or system, a specific operation or function. Think about a system. Somebody creates a, a program to do a specific operation or function. So what's the picture that you have here? The father taking somebody 
and, and, and hammering them, chiseling them for a specific task, a specific job, and a specific function. Amen. I'm going to read you something here that's about to tie it all together. So what was Paul teaching? Here's the conclusion. I'm going to read this twice, so try to listen here. It says, the Father designs you or forms you or purposes you for a specific place and function, like an object being formed by a blacksmith. The Father designs you, forms you, and purposes you for a specific place, a specific place, specific function. Jesus appoints you to your specific purpose, office, place or job in unity with the creative purpose of the father what does that mean that before you were ever born god designed you for a specific task role office place function and what does jesus do he comes alongside the creative purpose of the father for you and appoints you into that role and it says this and then the holy ghost gives you quote gifts which are a special grace and favor to effectively function in the office and carry out the call or job given to you by Jesus in which the Father specifically created and purposed you for. Praise God. Isn't that good? So let me kind of give you some scriptural example of this. Jeremiah 1.5. The Bible said, speaking of the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord said, before I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Before he was born. That means before Jeremiah ever said, goo goo gaga, mama, daddy, God already had him set apart for a specific role. Before Jeremiah could ever earn it. You know, this is what's amazing is Jeremiah did not go to prophet school and graduate prophet school and say, I think that I'm going to take a job being a prophet to the nations now. He was appointed before he was even born. So what does that mean? That God, before he was born, formed him like a blacksmith, made him specifically, made him creatively, made him with certain things that he needed in order to carry out this mandate. And what did the Holy Ghost do? Came alongside the prophet and equipped him to carry out the purpose in which he was created. Praise God. So you say there's Jeremiah. Well, look at the example of Paul. So Paul taught in three different places that, number one, the same the same idea, the Father created and purposed Paul before he was ever born. It says this in Galatians 1, 15 through 16. He said, even before I was born, God chose me. We're going to talk about this, but I want you to hear me. You can't earn your place. You can't earn your call from God. That's right. And I know I may catch some heat for this. But you cannot earn your call. You are what God determines that you are. And you're not what you're not. So let me tell you something right now. That God appoints you to specific things. And you can sit and you can spend your whole life in turmoil. Wishing you were something else. But it doesn't matter how hard you work. How much you try to earn with the Lord. How much you, you know, man, God really, he's graced me for this business and to do this thing. But I really think that I want to be an apostle. So I'm going to make some apostle business cards and go around and hand them out to everybody. Doesn't matter how much you wish that that were the case. You are what God created you to be. And again, I guarantee you people are going to ask questions like, So does that mean that it doesn't matter if we sin? No, stick with this series. We'll answer all of those questions, okay? Praise the Lord. Um, So look what he says. Before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the gospel, the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And when this happened, I did not rush out to consult any human being. So before Paul was ever born, again, you have this picture. God had already chose Paul, had already designed Paul, had already appointed Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So then what happened later in Paul's life? Number two, Jesus came alongside that creative purpose and appointed Paul into his role. It says this in Galatians 1.1. 1, 1. 
This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. God created Paul, purposed Paul before he was born, and at some point in Paul's life, he had an encounter where Jesus came alongside and called him into that purpose. I'm going to set this up, but I need you guys to understand this. Like, you have to have moments with the Lord like that where Jesus calls you into the purpose in which you were created for. Because until that happens, there'll never be any grace. There'll never be any favor, and there'll never be any supernatural ability. So the, the Father created and purposed Paul. Number two, Jesus appointed Paul according to the Father's creative purposes. And then number three, the Holy Ghost empowered Paul with grace to effectively carry out the role in which Jesus appointed him to. This is 1 Corinthians 15.10. Paul said, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. What was the definition of the gifts of the Spirit? Favor, ability, and unmerited grace. God poured out his special favor on me and not without results, for I have worked harder than any other of the apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. You know, I want you to understand this idea of what grace is. You think about the Apostle Paul's ministry. He was not, you know, the Bible says, in fact, to the Corinthian church, they actually said that Paul was weak the first time that he visited him. They were accusing Paul, saying, Paul, you write all these strong letters to all these churches, but when you came, it seemed like you came in weakness. You came, you weren't really what we were expecting, Paul. We were expecting some Hercules-looking preacher to roll up, and yet we get this little small bald-headed man with a beard that comes and he's real humble and he's not super charismatic but yet Paul had one of the most effective ministries in human history how how Paul didn't have the skinny jeans and the Air Force Ones and preaching Stephen Furtick messages he came very humbly but had one of the most effective ministries in human history how by the grace of God what does the grace of God mean God appointed Paul to a task Jesus called him into that creative purpose, and then something came, this favor came upon his life in order for him to be effective in what the Lord called him to do. So Paul's like, man, I'm not up here preaching the most clever messages and trying to, you know, do all this amazing stuff, but yet it works, and the gospel is going out across the entire earth, and it's all by the grace of God. What is the grace? It's the favor. Say favor. With grace comes favor. Whatever you're called to, you'll have favor in that area. Amen. You'll have favor where you're like, this is beyond my ability to work. But I also want to say this as well. Just because you're anointed doesn't mean that you don't work. People also begin to think, well, you know what? I'm called to the business. That means that somehow the Lord's just going to come and make all this happen for me, and I'll be blessed. I'm called to the ministry. That means that, I don't, you know what? I don't even have to prepare. I don't have to pray. I don't have to read. I just show up, and because that's what I'm called to do, it just somehow happens. Paul said, all of this was by the grace of God. He said, but it was not without results, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. He worked harder. Just because you're anointed, it doesn't take the place of hard work. Praise the Lord. You have to figure out what you've been called to do and give yourself to it. Praise God. If you're called to ministry, I'm telling you, don't just, well, I'm anointed, so I just show up, and you know, my words are anointed. We'll see what the Holy Spirit does. Man, you need to spend hours in prayer. You need to spend time in the Word. You need to work hard. To become the best of what you, the best of what you do, in any sphere and area in your life. Praise God. Okay, let's keep going on. So, so Paul. Things that you need to know. I'm going to give you a few points here. 
Sorry, I was reading my notes. I feel like we covered that pretty good, so I'm going to keep going. Number one, some facts that I need you to understand about what we're speaking of right now is this. Number one, the Father chooses what you are, not you. Made that statement, but we're going to go a little deeper into it. The Father chooses what you are, not you. Paul said in Romans 1.1, this is the letter from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. Say slave. slave. Chosen by God. Say chosen by God. Chosen by God. So who is he chosen by? God. By God. Was Paul chosen by Paul? No. Well, I just decided, you know what, I saw what Peter was doing, and I thought that looked pretty cool, so I thought I would do it too. No. He was chosen by God. He wasn't chosen by man. He wasn't chosen by a church board, by elders. He was chosen by God. God determines what you are, not you. You know, and again, you kind of see this where we formulate these ideas where we think in our head, um, we look at people, and I'm going to get to this in just a moment, but, you know, people write things about people like Joseph in the Bible. This is a conversation I hear all the time. I'm just using this as an example. They'll write a book, and they'll look at Joseph. You don't know who Joseph was. He was a man. He was sold in slavery, and it's just, long story short, he went to different places everywhere he went. He just kept getting promoted to the top, got transferred over here, went into prison, got promoted to the top, got eventually brought into Egypt, got promoted to the very top. And people look at the characteristics of Joseph, and they begin to think, if I do what Joseph did, then I can be who Joseph was. And I want to tell you, I'm not negating righteousness holiness. Every Christian is called to those things, but you can't just simply do what another person does and become what they are. Because you have to understand before Joseph ever passed the righteous test, God already gave him a vision and a dream that he would be sitting at the top. What does that mean? God, before he was born, purposed him, forged him. Amen. You know, and you, you see that all the time. And I will end up talking about this in just a moment. Um, you know, I'll pause and we'll come back to that thought. But God chooses, the Father chooses what you are, not you. Say the Father. Okay. So, give you some examples of the realization that the early church understood. Look at Romans 1. We just read. This letter's from Paul. A slave. Look at that word, slave of Jesus Christ. Paul says it again in Philippians 1.1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. I want you to say slaves. 1 Timothy 1.1. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God, our Savior, and of Jesus Christ. Titus 1.1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. James. Wow, now we switch people. Now this is James who wrote the book of James. This letter is from James, James 1.1, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's look at Peter, 2 Peter 1.1. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is now Jude in Jude 1.1. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Let me ask you, did it sound like these men simply chose their occupation? No. What did it sound like? They were appointed by the command of God. They didn't just simply decide what they were. God chose them to be apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were simply carrying out marching orders. Praise the Lord. You know, and if everybody would take that same approach, this is just a little nugget for you. Say the word slave. We live in a world where everybody's just trying to run around and find their best life. What makes me happy? You know, marriages can't stay together. Why? Because they're just looking for the spouse that makes them happy. This woman didn't make me happy. So next woman, next woman, they're five marriages in. And they're still not successful. Why? Because they're just looking for their best, my best me, my best life, what works best for me. That's not how it works. In the kingdom. You know, at the end of the day, we do everything 
with joy unto the Lord. Because the Bible says that those who are willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. There's a key there. You have to be willing and obedient to the call of God. Say willing. Willing. There's two components and say obedient. So number one, it's important that you be obedient, which is the slave part. These men understood that the call of God was not just something that they should consider. Well, I'll think about it. God calls you to go to Africa to be a missionary, but you just wait a couple years. Well, I don't know if that really works for me. We have some investments tied up. I don't understand that. These people did not think that way. We are slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have a choice. This is what he's commanded us to do. What if people took that role into every area of their life? What if whenever you got uh, mad, man, I'm mad at my spouse, and I think I'm just going to leave, you checked yourself and said, wait, hold on, is this who God told me to marry? Oh, it is. Okay, then I'm a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I don't have the luxury of just doing whatever the H-E-C-K I feel like doing today. Amen, come on. People hop churches like Peter Cottontail, just just looking for teachers that will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Ask yourself a question. Did the Lord tell you to be here? Not just here, any Christian. Say I'm speaking to a Christian that lives in South Carolina and goes to a local church. They need to ask, did God tell me to be here? If he did, then I am bound like a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't just simply pick and choose what I do and what fits and accommodates me and what makes me the most happy. I do what God has assigned for me to do. No questions asked. People say, you know, people always complain and like, I don't understand that. Did you know statistically, I don't know the... the, the proper statistic, but you would be baffled the amount of people that leave the ministry every single year. Pastors that quit the ministry. No harm against it, truly, but you know, the person that was here before me, they just quit this church, they quit the ministry, they stepped out. I don't understand that. It's like, did this what God told you to do? Then you don't quit. (laughs) I don't quit until I'm dead because I'm a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, John, do you feel like doing this? Do you feel like doing that? And your assignment, will you feel like it every single day? You may not feel like it every day, but guess what? We don't walk by sight. We don't walk by feeling. We live by faith. This is what the Lord has assigned of me. So number one, you must be obedient. If you're not obedient, you'll never eat the good of the land. People are like, why am I not prospering? Well, you're not being obedient to God. It's really true, but... uh, We've counseled people, I know Brother Tanner's counseled different people that have came to the church. They'll come, they start getting prospering, just the Lord's blessing them because they get their life in alignment with the call and the purpose of God. And then all of a sudden things start falling apart. And they're like, what's going on? Why all of a sudden are we struggling financially? Why all of a sudden is all of this stuff happening? And you go and talk to them and say, what was the last thing that the Lord told you to do? And then they visit it and say, you know what, I haven't been doing that. Well, you'll never step into the blessing until you're obedient. You'll never eat the good of the land until you're obedient. Say, I must be obedient. Well, the scripture doesn't only say if you're obedient. It says if you're willing and obedient. Say willing. So not only do you have to be obedient, you have to be willing. What does that mean? Lord, it's a joy to serve you. Praise God. That means walking around like a slave. You know, it's not like slavery like you're in shackles. Like you hate your master and you're just looking, you're waiting for that paper to be signed for you to get set free, you know. No, that's not not how it is. It's a willingness. Lord, I am happy to do what you've called me to do. What a privilege. What a privilege. People always act like it's not good enough. Well, the Lord gave me a business, but unless this business brings in $10 million a year, then I'm just not, you know, I'm just not going to be happy till it gets to that point. Man, you're, you're not being willing. What if it never did? Let's just say hypothetically, and I, I'm saying this, every believer, no matter what role you're called to, you're called to prosper. Because it's a blessing that the Bible says we've received, Ephesians 1, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. And Galatians 3 says that you as a believer have received the same blessing as Abraham. 
Those are just two scriptural foundations. So it doesn't matter what you're called to. You are called to prosper and be blessed. Praise the Lord. Um, but, you know, let's think about this. I, I, I speak a lot from a minister's perspective because that's what I do. And so there's a lot of people that they get discontent. You know what? We live in a little bitty town, and we'll never have a church of, of, of 15,000 people. You know, let me ask you this question. Think of this hypothetical situation from a minister's perspective. Say there's a little bitty town. You're in Europe somewhere. There's a little bitty town, a village of 100 people. Most ministers would not respond to a call of God to go pastor in that town. Why? Because there's only 100 people in that town. You would never have a church of 200 people in that town. There's not 200 people in the town. They'd say, that's not good enough for me. That's not big enough for me. I know I'm going to move to Dallas. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my job application on these little web bases that they put all over the United States, and I'll go take a job in Nashville somewhere where there, you know, there's greater opportunity. That's not the way that it works in the kingdom. What if, if you went to a place and there was only 100 people and you got to pastor 25 of them? Is that not enough? Put that in application of your life. At the end of the day, it's, Lord, I'm, I'm grateful. It's not that we settle for less because we should always believe God for increase. Jesus said, occupy. The Lord said, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Say multiply. Multiplication is in us. It's a command and it's a dictation of God. But I'm also talking about being content with the call of God on your life. So many people step outside of their call. I can't tell you how many people I've seen in my short lifetime who say, maybe I was called to be a prayer partner. Maybe I was called to be an intercessor. Maybe I was called to do that. And then guess what? It wasn't enough. No, I want teaching. I want to be able to teach from the microphone. I want to be able to do these. And they begin to step outside of what the Lord asked them to do. And you know what it causes? Discontentment with what the Lord purposed for them. This isn't enough for me. Let's say hypothetically, what if you're called to be an intercessor? If God said, I want you to show up to the church that you're called to, people watching online, and I want you to just pray for the move of the Spirit in that place two times, three times a week. Is that enough? What if you never become the prophet of the nations? Is, that not, is it not enough to do what the Lord asked you to do? A lot of people it's not, and they're not willing, and then they're not obedient, and guess what? They don't eat the good of the land. Praise the Lord. That was straight from the Spirit because that wasn't in my notes, so just receive it. Hallelujah. So, Let's wrap this up, just a few more minutes, and then we'll just continue to dive into this tonight some more. Uh, we have service tonight at 6 o'clock. If this is helping you, I encourage you, please come. If you're alive with a pulse, I don't know how this isn't helping you unless you're just uh, Apostle Paul reincarnated. I don't know, but praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, so even if Apostle Paul was reincarnated, he'd be saying amen because he's like, I wrote that. Praise God. That's good. <laughs> so these slaves, say slaves. So again, these men, Paul, James, Jude, Timothy, Peter, they didn't think their occupation, their role was something they just simply chose. They said, it's a command of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must carry it out. So the point was the Father chooses what you are, not you. So say that. Say the Father chooses what I am, not me. I don't choose. The Father chooses. And I'll be happy with what he assigns me to do. And I'll be obedient. Praise God. Number two, the Lord not only decides, this is going to ruffle some feathers, but I, I believe scripturally this is the truth. The Lord not only decides what you are, but at what level you will be what you are. The Lord gives people different platforms. There's some people that God will give a platform to a city. There's others that God will give a platform to a county. 
There's others that God will give a platform to a state. Others that God may give a platform to an entire nation. And then there's others that God may give a platform, a, a intergenerational platform. But I'm going to tell you something. God decides who those servants are and who those vessels are. We don't decide that. If you go around thinking that it's all up to you, you're going to be discontent. Yet if God's called you to a state, but you're trying to be a generate, you know, you're trying to be a, a national. Think about this. Say you start a business. And you say, you know what, the Lord gave me this business and I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to fund the end time harvest. I'm going to fund the, the ministry. I'm going to do all of that stuff. But then you begin to step outside of what God's assigned and you. You say you start a burger place and you say, I'm going to become bigger than McDonald's. Well, I'm going to tell you, not everybody's going to be bigger than McDonald's. It's just a fact. Not everybody's going to be Billy Graham and not everybody's going to be Bill Gates. So this will help a lot of people. The Lord not only decides what you are, but at what level you will be what you are. Or, and I'll explain this, how, quote, high you rise or what platform you stand on. And you may get offended because I'm telling you, I believe the prosperity of the Bible. You say how high you rise. So you mean, John, that you're saying that some people are just destined to rise higher than others? You're thinking like a human being. You need to totally reevaluate those terms, and I'll, I'll break it down a little bit more. But before I do, look what Psalm 75, 5 through 7 says. Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck. For promotion, say promotion, promotion. comes neither from the east nor the west nor from the south. Did you know what direction's not mentioned there? The north. The whole point that he's saying is promotion doesn't come from the uh, east, south, or west. It comes from the north. The very next line is, but God is the judge. Promotion comes from the Lord. Praise God. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, the worker labors in vain. So the minute that you'll understand that, promotion comes from God. If God be for you, then it doesn't matter who's against you. What I actually see is so many people running around and they're just trying to chase different people, chase different opportunities, chase this person over here and get something out of them and chase this person over here, thinking that that's the key to being promoted. But the Bible says, if man promotes you but God doesn't promote you, guess what? You're stepping into that promotion with no grace, with no ability and no favor. And it'll kill you. I'm not going to get into all of it, but I, you know, I don't believe that the man that sits in the White House right now was appointed by God during this time to be the United States president. So, what's, what's the, so what, what happened? A person falsely appointed into that position, guess what's happening to him? It's killing him. Killing him. Why? No grace to do it. No favor, no supernatural ability from the Lord at all to do it. And so... You know, you know, just to help you understand that God not only determines what you are, um, but what level you will be what you are. Let me ask you this question. Can every person in this room be the president of the United States? No, you can't because there can only be one. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So just think of those terms. It's a fact. It says, promotion comes neither from the east or the west nor the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and he setteth up Another. God gives people their platforms by grace and favor, not by merit. God gives people their platforms by grace and by favor and not by merit. This is why, look at, turn your Bible to Romans chapter 12, 3 through 6. Is this helping anybody this morning? 3 through 6, it says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. <laughs> it's a good warning to some people. Guys, don't, I mean, has anybody else seen that? 
Somebody gets a little bit of success in the ministry. Somebody gets a little bit of success in, in something that they do. And what's the first thing they do? I'm going to write a 10-step book to tell you how I did what I did. Purpose-driven ministry. And I'm going to give you the keys that if you implement these 15 things, your church will become, man, what pride is that? What you're saying is the same thing Nebuchadnezzar said, where Nebuchadnezzar walked out and looked at his empire and said, man, look what I did. This is awesome. What promotion comes from the Lord. God determines your platform. If you have a platform where you're standing in front of 200, 300 people, it's because God gave you that platform. Not of your own merit, not because you're just the bee's knees and the best thing since sliced bread. It's the gift and the favor and the ability of God that came alongside the purpose and the place that you were called. So that's why Paul said, have some humility and don't think you're better than you actually are. Man, I made $3 million in the business, and we walk around and just show it, look, I'm the best thing. Man, no, you're graced by God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, he goes on to say, this will be the last point I give you this morning. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us, the measure of faith given to each person. Can I also say this as well? I understand that there are Christians. You know, I'm sorry. I understand there are things in the Bible every Christian is called to adhere to. Every Christian, it doesn't matter if you're the preacher or if you're just... A, a, a father, a mother, say you're a mother that stays at home with their children. There's things that everybody across the board is called to adhere to. But at the same time, don't expect anybody else to be you because they're not you. That's what Paul's saying is that measure yourself, gauge yourself by the measure of faith that was given to you. What does that mean? That God, God calls you to a place. God calls you. The, the operation that was given to you, the administration that was appointed to you by Jesus Christ, and with that administration comes a level of faith in order to effectively operate in that area. Praise Lord. Even people say... Which I understand, you know, the principles of faith comes by hearing and you can grow and increase your faith. But the whole thing that Paul is saying is don't let yourself think you're better than you actually are. It's by the grace of God that you are what you are. Amen. So, again, you don't rise to great platforms because you're the bee's knees. You were purposed by God, appointed by Jesus, and graced by the Holy Ghost. You don't rise to great platforms because you're just the best thing since sliced bread. You were purposed by God, appointed by Jesus, and graced by the Holy Ghost. So again, let's go back to that question then. So you may say, so what are you saying, John, that some people are destined to rise higher or greater, to be greater than others? And I want you to hear this. Bigger platform doesn't mean greater. Paul taught this in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. If you're there still, read 12 through 15. Bigger platforms doesn't mean greater. Again, because you could look at somebody else and say, man, look what they're doing. They're just operating at this higher level, and you begin to compare yourself of what, of what your call, what your purpose is, what your administration is. And you say, well, if this was all just sovereignly purposed by God, then you mean that God likes them more than he likes me? No. Again, you're both created to prosper. But you say, well, they, they rise to greater levels than I do. Well, you need to redefine what, what is greater. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, I'm sorry, 12 through 25, we're going to read a little section here. It says, rejoice in our confident hope. I'm sorry, that's Romans 12. Both talk about the gifts, okay, I'm sorry. Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 25. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. 
Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. Hear me. Not just one call, not just one platform. Has many different parts. Thank God that the that ministers, thank God that the only thing that we have is not just ministers that travel and that preach internationally and preach on the big screen TV. Man, I'm thankful that we have ministers that go into local communities. You know what? I'm going to tell you, we have an evangelist that's risen up out of this house. I'm thankful that we don't only have evangelists that hop and go into churches and preach for a few days and then leave and go to another church. That's great and wonderful. We have an evangelist that goes into the cities of the communities that he's called to, goes into the neighborhood, the apartment complexes, wins people to the lost. You had 50 people at your event yesterday. You said eight got saved. Praise the Lord. One body, many different parts, and not one part is greater than the other. So this is what Paul said. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. Well, I must not be a good minister. I'm not like Kenneth Hagin. There's many parts to the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make any less part of the body? Would it? No. If the whole body were just an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were just an ear, how would you smell anything? Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Who? God did what? Put the parts where he wants it. You are what God made you to be. Amen. And if you're saying, well, you know what? I like to party. I like to drink. That's not what I'm talking about. I am who God made me to be. No, God didn't make you to be like that. Jesus redeemed you from having to be like that. Praise the Lord. Um, So he says, yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, look at this. Some of the body parts that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such uh, that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. Praise God. Y'all want to talk to you about honoring. Honoring is important. But what we do is we idolize above honoring even sometimes. You know, again, you look at a great man or great woman of God, you should show honor. In fact, the Bible says that a prophet, uh, if you honor a prophet, you receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Jesus couldn't do any miracles because of a lack of honor and unbelief. There is a sense of honor. But what, what we've done is we idolize people. We look at these great names. We look at these figures, and we begin to put them on this pedestal and think, and you're so wonderful, you're so special, you're so great and awesome, when the Bible actually says that there needs to be harmony among the believers. The person that's speaking to generations right now is not any more great or less great than the intercessor called to the local church. That's what Paul's saying here. Because there's many parts. And you are what you are because of the grace of God. Again, when we walk around, I'll look at my anointing, look at my gift, look at my ability. Man, I'm telling you, you better, you better humble yourself because the Bible says that God exalts the humble, but he resists the proud. Praise Jesus. So, again, you don't rise to great platforms because you're the bee's knees. You were purposed by God, appointed by Jesus, and graced by the Holy Ghost. So here's kind of my closing thought with this this morning. Don't covet another person's purpose, gift, call, job, grace, or platform because you and your purpose is just as significant as theirs. Praise the Lord.
Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.